Praise God. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. It's going to read from verse 1 to verse 9. Isaiah 6, verse 1 to 9. Has that sorted that out now? Everybody happy? Are we all on the same page? Okay, let's do it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and speak to this people. Right? I heard the voice of the Lord. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Father God, thank you for your word. Bless it to all those within the sound of my voice. I pray, Lord, that you'll anoint the eyes of understanding to grasp, Lord, what this is about. And Lord, may change lives throughout the world. In Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Right, the title of this message is Finding Purpose in Life. Finding Purpose in Life. It amazes me, and I've often thought about this and asked this question, why is it that so many, many people don't really know why they're here? Why so many people haven't got a cooking clue what the purpose of their life actually is. Now, I was in that position for the first 20 years of my life, and it bothered me. That question bothered me. Now, you see, for those first 20 years, I didn't know there was a God. I was totally clueless. I had a concept of religion from a church school, but I never knew that there was a living God. That revelation hadn't dawned on me. And can I just say this unequivocally? If you have no idea that there is a God, you will not have any purpose in life. It's logically impossible. I mean, you cannot. It's impossible, logically. The best you can possibly come up with is to enjoy yourself. So, you live your life with this one idea that I've got to enjoy myself. The funny thing is people that try to enjoy themselves are just the most miserable people you could ever hope to find. How do you define enjoying yourself? How do you define it? 
having enough to eat. Well, with all due respect, you can have all the finest food in the world, but eventually you're going to get tired of it. You can have all the houses you want in the world, but eventually you're going to get bored. A lot of people spend their whole lives trying to find a place where they can just be happy. What's the problem? Try to find a situation that will make you happy. Chasing your feelings, you see. Now the truth of the matter is, you'll never be happy. It's impossible. It's impossible. You can fool yourself. You can be highly intellectual. You can be philosophical, if you want to call it that way, and explain, you know, one day I'm going to be out of here, so I may as well make the most of while I'm here. Then you ask the question, well, what is making the most of while I'm here? <laughs> making more money. Amen. <laughs> Tim, I'm proud of you. After all these years, you've learned nothing. <laughs> but let me tell you, there's more than one person out there who's made a lot of money. And have just found it so empty. Now you see, when you and I don't have something, and we want it, then there's that desire, and I understand that. But you see, that desire has got to answer this question, why am I here? What's my purpose? You see, and as I'm trying to say, without God, there's no purpose. No purpose whatsoever. It's all pointless. It's totally pointless. This scripture here, now please, we've got to understand something. There is a purpose. Amen? There is a purpose. God has got a purpose. You see, here we have Isaiah in the temple and he has this wonderful vision of God. The glory of the Lord. It must have been something stupendous. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it must have been overwhelming. He had an open vision of God. The train filling the temple. And he heard these words, which amazes me. The Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are having a conference up there. And these are the words they say. Who shall I send? Who will go for us? God saying who will go for us amongst each other. Who's going to go for us? Now you see, they had a problem. Up there in heaven, they saw the problems on the earth. Amen. They saw the problems on the earth. And God, being the creator, wanted to do something about it. All right? God always wants to sort things out, trust me. Mr. Fix-It par excellence. But what's he got to have to do that? You see? Who will go for us? We need somebody on earth to do it. Can you see that? Can you all see that? God has to have somebody to do it for. That's the story of God and the earth, heaven and earth. God's always got to have a man. For you and I to live on this earth, you have to have a body. That's the law, universal law. The moment you lose your body, you're out of here and you have no right to be here. No right to be here. You see, and God lives by his own rules. Did you know that? Lives by his own rules. And in the great event, he saw the earth going to rack and ruin. He had to send somebody. Who did he send? Well, we all know. He sent his son. But how did he send his son? In a human form. He had to have a body. Can you imagine the sun in all his glory having to be reduced to a little seed? Have you ever thought of that? Trust himself to be put into a woman. Think about it. 
to be birthed by a woman. But he had to go through that. He had to have a body. He had to be formed in a womb, have a body, grow that body to operate on the earth. Amen? The beautiful thing about him, though, is that when that body was destroyed, it wasn't the end. Because of sinless perfection, he went and took his body up again. He still got his body. That's why he can come to the earth now and then, and he does. But you see, God in heaven looks down. And you see, that's where the tie-up is between you and I finding our purpose in the earth. Amen? You see, what I'm here to say is this, that God needs you. He needs me. When he looks down, he sees a lot of issues that have to be resolved. Amen? And it's not too hard for you and I to see them either. What is his answer? His answer is you and I, filled with his Holy Spirit, hearing his voice, doing what we are supposed to do. Amen? Now you see, my point is this, that God has got a plan. And he's got a plan for each individual. Did you know that? Isn't that awesome? He's got a plan, a handcrafted plan for Graham. A handcrafted plan for Janet. And I could go through everybody here. A handcrafted plan for you. See? And the key to being fulfilled in this life, finding purpose in this life, is twofold. Number one, finding out what that plan is, obviously. And secondly, walking in it. Can you all say me? Is that too hard to understand? To me it's so simple, and yet we all get it so confused. We get it so confused. I mean, God, surely if he is God, would know what he's doing. Would you say? I mean, the person who made you and I, surely he would know why he made us. Does that make sense? The people who make a particular vehicle, they know what that vehicle is designed to do, do they not? So when I'm trying to plow my fields with my Mercedes-Benz and the thing breaks down and I phone Mercedes-Benz and I say, your car is useless. And they say, what's the problem? And you say, well, I you know, managed to plow five fields, but when I got to the sixth one, it can't in. <laughs> what are they going to say to you? Sorry, phone us tomorrow. We've got enough people like you working for us as it is. You understand? <laughs> what am I saying? God knows exactly what he wants you and I to do. Did you know that? Down to the finest detail. And for you and I to be happy, we have to find out what that is. All right? And we have to move in. We have to, from day to day. The happiest people on this earth, and it's got nothing to do with education, status, financial position, all these things. The happiest people on this earth, I can tell you, are people who know what God's called them to do and are doing it on a daily basis. Amen? And that's available to every one of us here. Isn't that awesome? Now the big question is, why do we miss it? Why do we miss it? Why do we get it wrong? Any ideas? Well, look, there's a lot of reasons. Okay, the first one, of course, is ignorance. I never knew there was a God, so I couldn't know what his purpose was. You understand? And that troubled me as a young man growing up. I was blessed, let me tell you, to have everything laid on for me. I didn't have to struggle to find 
a place to live or some food to eat or clothes. It was all laid on for me plus the company my dad worked for gave his children free education anywhere in the world. All expenses paid, transport there and transport back. The best we could have had. We had all of that. Here I am in the university studying law. I wasn't too bad at it. Got you know, a lot of stuff interfered. But anyway, but what was the biggest problem I had studying law? All expenses paid, remember? No worries from that corner. Everything done for. What was bugging me? The big question, why? Why? Why bother? Why go through all of this? A lot of people, they fight for it and they appreciate it. And when they get there, they wonder, why is it? What am I doing? I never didn't appreciate it. I was grateful. You know what I mean? I didn't take it for granted. And I worked pretty hard. And I, was, I tried very hard to make sure I got through all my exams, etc. I honored my father in that respect. But the point I'm trying to make is, I didn't know why. You understand? That was the question that bugged me. We had what they called mock trials, moots. And I was the chairman for our society. And we had the first inter-varsity trial. Cape Town against Stellenbosch. Okay. So I was going to argue on behalf of UCT. You see, and what happens is you get professors to set up a case and they argue for and argue against whatever. And I'll never forget. I mean, I had this vehicle that my father had given me. I got my friend. I said to him, look, here's the keys. You drive. I had practically half the law library in the back of the car, and I was making sure that Graham knew his stuff. I really was. And uh, we had the case, and I'll tell you something. I stood up, and it was like an anointing came on me to argue the case. Now, normally the professors think they've got the answers, so they fall asleep and just at the end wake up and say, oh, yeah, yeah. On this occasion, the judge, so to speak, woke up, you see, and he had to change his whole view. In other words, it was a great success from a legal point of view. Really? I could have made it as an advocate. Let me tell you. Oh, yes. But I can just say this. Coming home, I asked my friend to drive because I was quite exhausted. I was sitting in the back there. You know, I was thinking to myself, so what? As the case was, it was a divorce case. And we actually won the divorce case. You understand? In those days, there were certain strict reasons why you could get divorced. And I'm thinking to myself in the back of the car, what have I done? On the one hand, if this had been transferred into the real world, so to speak, I would have been a very successful advocate and my reputation would have gone out. I probably attracted a lot of clients. I'd probably have done very well for myself. So in a way, I was doing well. See, but on the other hand, I was just thinking to myself, and I was born again at that stage, I was thinking to myself, what have I actually done? Broken up the family. You understand? We haven't really helped anybody. I can't tell you the emptiness I felt in the car, even though it had been a great success. And it was there that I realized that I'm not going to be a lawyer. can't. Why am I saying all of this? You see, I didn't know that there was a purpose for our lives. And it's only when I found God that I realized God has got a plan. Now, let me just say, why is it that so many of us miss it? I'll tell you why. There's an individual out there who wants to make sure you and I do not fulfill our calling. Did you know that? His job. That's his job. He works on it over time. 
permanent in overtime. Guess what his name is? Begins with the S. Small S, yeah. You see? And let me tell you, he's very devious about this. Very devious. Straight from the pit. He lies like a, he's worse than a lawyer. He's a liar, he's worse than a politician and a lawyer combined. And a used car salesman. All three of them haven't got a patch on him. Not a patch. But you see, a lie is really clever. And let me just say this. His lies along this format. He places in our hearts a whole misunderstanding from day one. You see? When I was growing up, you see, everybody said, oh, he's going to do well and blah, blah, blah. And when I said to my father, I'm not happy, he said, what? Do you understand? He couldn't understand it. He pulled himself up by his bootstraps, literally, to become what he became. And I admired that. But he thought, now I've given my son everything and he's not. Can you see? He couldn't actually compute it. You see, couldn't compute it. Couldn't. But you see, we were all trained. And every one of us here has been programmed thus. The purpose in life, let me just give it to you in very simple terminology. The purpose for you and my being here is to accumulate wealth. Alright? That's why you're here. Did you know that? You're only here to accumulate wealth. You've got to really make sure those kids' parents pay, 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 pay nothing to the teachers. Everything, you know, comes to. I'll say it. Now, please. You might say, oh no, that's not me. But really, at the back of everybody's mind, why do you have to get a good matric? Can you tell us, Bronwyn? What's the purpose of you slaving night and day to make sure you get their marks in? So you can do what? What do you need that little piece of useless paper for? To get a good job. Before that even. <laughs> Let me explain it. You've got to have that piece of paper, so you go to the university and say, yeah, we'll take you. But not you, because you haven't got the paper. You see? Why do you go to the trouble of going to the university? Now, this is not always the case, I know. Go to the university, so one day we've got another piece of paper. Oh, yes. Why do you have to have this piece of paper? Oh, so you are told, and so you think. You go to an employer and say, I've got these pieces of paper, you must employ me. Well, the sad thing is we've got people, I know of them, with degrees, I mean chemical engineering degrees, that are doing IT because... They can't find a job in their field. But that's not the point. What I'm saying is, we go through all this rigmarole for what? To be employed. To be employed for what? To get paid. To get paid for what? So that you can be comfortable. For what? So that you can be happy. There was a young man who came to Winston Churchill. True story. And Winston Churchill said to him, young man, what are you going to do with your life? And he said, oh, well, I'm currently going to Oxford University. Churchill said, oh, that's very interesting. And what are you studying? Oh, I'm reading law. Oh, that's very interesting. And then what? Well, when I get my degree, I'm hoping to become a barrister. Oh, that's very interesting. And once you become a barrister, what then? Well, then I hope to go to Parliament, you see, and maybe become a member of Parliament. Churchill said, very interesting. And then what? And he said, well, if I can get my ducks in a row, I'm hoping one day to even maybe come like you, sir, the Prime Minister. And Churchill said to him, that's wonderful. Not very impressed. And then what? And then what? And the man said, well, I don't really know. You know, Churchill turned around and said, sir, you're a fool. You're a fool. You understand? 
We've been directed in the wrong way. The devil's got a plan for your life. Did you know that? And it's not good. It might look good, but it's not good ultimately. But at the same time, God's got a plan. I need to tell us that God has got a plan. And to find purpose in life. Let me just say this. It's so important. The other reason people don't maybe pursue that, they might even know God's got a plan for my life. But what's the big problem? Don't know how to go about it. No idea how to go about it. You see? And that's tragic. That's tragic. Can I just say, not only does God have a plan for you in my life, amen, but he's got a plan for every step of the way. Amen? Can I just say this? The ultimate plan God has for you in my life doesn't emerge immediately. Amen? Doesn't emerge immediately. And I'll tell you why. Because you see, as we move into God's plan for our lives, we've got to learn certain things. Our paradigm has got to change. For example, I couldn't know that God had a plan for my life if I didn't know there was a God. Amen? The moment I found out there was a God in the world, had become his child, I didn't know that he had a plan for me. I had to learn that. I didn't know that God could talk to me. Did you know that? You see, there are certain steps I had to take to eventually move into what God wanted me to do. Does that make sense? If he had said to me, the moment I was born again, Graham, I want you to pastor a church and I want you to operate in a prophetic teaching anointing, I'd say, what on earth are you talking about? I mean, didn't even know what a prophet was. Couldn't even spell it. I would have spelled it P-R-O-F-I-T. And I said, yeah, yeah. Amen, amen. Tim, God's called you to be a prophet. <laughs> Not to prophet, a prophet. <laughs> but you understand. And let me just say this. As you and I walk with God, the plan unfolds. Amen. Let me say something else. There's no limit to what God can do. Did you know that? The plan continues to evolve. You get it? When I started, I knew that God had a plan for me. And he's got a plan for you. And it's custom made. It's custom made. Did you know? It's custom made. You see, God placed in you and me certain talents and giftings. There is no job that I could ever get in this world out there that would put a call on every single gifting that's inside of you. Did you know that? It's impossible. But God knew. God knew. As a person that did music from a young age, my father encouraged us to do music because he never had any opportunity. He loved music. And so he paid any instrument we wanted. He just paid for it. Any tuition we wanted, he just paid. He was quite happy. He encouraged us in our music, and I'm very grateful for that. It was a heritage that we had. But once again, with all this music, the big problem was, well, so what? You understand? Stacy knows what I'm talking about, and she knows a lot of her fellow musicians have the same problem. What do I do with this music? What's the point? What's the purpose? You understand? Doesn't make sense. Just to make beautiful music. It's not enough in itself. Did you, did you know that? It's not enough in itself. 
as much as I enjoy music. Just to enjoy it, what's the point? But you know what? As I tapped into the purpose for my life, I realized this music has got such a powerful, powerful purpose in it. Amen? To use that music to bring people into worship and to praise God. That's purpose. That's real purpose. When you've got this tie between what you're gifted to do and purpose with God, what you're gifted to do takes on a new dimension completely. Did you know that? A new dimension completely. I've achieved things musically that are way beyond my technical ability. I'll tell you that now. Not because of any great skill, but because of the anointing of God. Because I've dedicated the musical gift and every gift to God's service alone. Did you know that? To God's service alone. My family always on with me. Why don't you make money out of your music? There's nothing wrong with making money out of the music. Can I just tell you something? The moment I use my music to make money out of it, it'll go. The anointing will just go like that. And then I'm stuck. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's got a purpose. God's got a plan for your and my life. And if you and I want to really be fulfilled and happy, do you know what? You have to pay the price to find out what it is. Amen? Let me tell you. When I said to my family I'm called to the ministry, they almost had heart attacks. My dad's big problem was this, okay, he accepted I'm going into the ministry. So he said, now what church are you going to go into? Even though he was an atheist, he used to love watching these great evangelists because he loved the power of the communication skills. He loved that. So you see, in his mind, it was a toss-up for me, his son. He thought, well, why don't you become respectable and become Anglican or something like that? On the one hand, or why don't you become a big evangelist and make a lot of money? On the other hand, you see, he was torn between the two for my life. What am I saying? He didn't have a clue what his son was called to do. You understand? He didn't realize that there was a real God out there had a specific plan for Graham and for him and for Steve and for Beryl, my brother and sister. And my mother and himself. You see, didn't know that. Passed him completely by. Passed him completely by. And I don't want that for anybody. God's got a plan. And you see, the question is, well, what must I do about it? There's a Chinese proverb, I thank Norman for bringing this to my attention, It goes along these lines. A journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. Amen. Journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. You see? And that's the big key to this whole business with God. You and I have got to realize and take the first step, you see. Once we prepare to take the first step, then God opens the way for the next step. Do you understand that? When I got saved and all that, the attitude I had was, whatever has to be done, I'll do it. The pastor said to me, we need somebody to play the piano. I thought, oh my goodness me, I'll give it a go. Now please, you must understand, I was trained classically. Bach, Beethoven, you know that stuff. I was very good at it, but half finger, yes, it was. But anyway, I stumbled along. So the pastor said, we want you to play in the church. They had a nice piano there. They had nobody else. I said, okay, I'm in for a penny, in for a pound. You know, the first time I played the piano, when people were coming to church, you know what I played? Bach's Prelude Number 1 in C major. <laughs> I thought this is nice, soothing music, you see. I knew absolutely nothing. Afterwards, the pastor said to me, Graham, 
very nice music, very nice music, but you know, just the hymnal that we use. Can you try something a bit? Well, you know what happened? Till then I'd been bound to these notes. But then I started to learn about playing by ear, according to the chords. Do you know how liberating that was? I just started to be able to do that. Amen? That opened a whole new realm of music for me that I never knew before. But at least what I'm saying is I've prepared to say, okay, let me do what I can, even though it was wrong. Do you understand? Anyway, that, I got through that lot. Then the same pastor, he left town eventually. I know now why. But then he said, Graham, uh, we don't have anybody to do the children's ministry. I said, okay, okay, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. I got so involved, that almost like dragged me out. Even now, in Sharon's school, I sit there for five minutes and I revert. I revert. I love it, but it's terrible. Anyway, I did children's ministry. Do you know I learned so much about praise and worship and things with kids? I even wrote a musical for them. Don't rock the ark. How's that? Don't rock the ark. Yeah, there's quite a few characters in Don't Rock the Ark. Pesky Bird was one of them. But you see, what am I saying? I went for it. Went for it. And as a result, God was able to open the next. Do you understand? I never said, oh, I don't do children. I can only play Bach. Then he made the fatal mistake. He said, Graham, would you like to just share the word on Sunday? Fatal mistake. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. My soul, I don't know to this day what I said. And although it taken quite a bit of trouble to get me going, let me tell you something. It took 10 times the amount of effort for him to get me to stop. Okay, so there we are. But I started preaching. Started. I didn't say, oh, no, I'm too shy. I don't wish I was. I don't talk. You understand? I was prepared to go for it. As the doors opened, so I went. I did what I could, where I was. And it wasn't like there was a massive congregation to preach to. There's probably three people on a good Sunday. So it wasn't like, you know, this is a major issue. But I couldn't care. I went for it. Stood in the pulpit, opened the Bible and started to speak. I hear him. And that journey has been a process of learning how just to move with God. And God has slowly but surely opened the way for the calling that's on my life, right? And I don't believe it's any greater than any calling on anybody else's life. Did you know that? I was speaking to a man the other day and could see that he was frustrated. And I said to him, you know, and he's a very gifted person. I said to him, you're quite capable of doing what I can do and a lot better. He almost fell over. He said, no, impossible. Can you see the thinking? You and I can do it. With God, you and I can do it. We can do great things. But we have to be prepared to make that first step. What is the first step? Let's close with this little illustration. God gave me this picture. And you see, imagine you are living in a little village, right? And we're quite content with our life in the little village. And life goes on, you see, day in, day out. And we just fulfill our basic chores and we just get going. But next to the village, there's this river. And this river goes right out into the distance. But there's the river. Now let me just explain it this way. You and I are getting on with our lives, doing what we have to do. But you know, right in the neighborhood is God's pathway, as it were, to the great call on our lives. I mean, it's right there, right in our midst. 
And you see, what does it take? It takes that decision. I want to go with God. Can you see? That's the first thing. Janet mentioned earlier. A lot of people are so scared. They think, you know, like a lot of people, they know they need to be saved. They say, why don't you get saved? No, no. I want to enjoy life before I get saved. I want to enjoy life before I get saved. Total misunderstanding. You can't enjoy life until we save. You understand? You can't get into the flow of life until you're prepared to make that decision. I want it. You all understand? That is the first step. The first step is, I want what God wants. I want what God wants. We have to make that choice. We have to make that choice. You see, I was walking with a man, very wealthy man along the banks of a river. He was very fit and I was going, <laughs> trying to keep up his <laughs> And uh, while we were walking, I was trying to help him, you know. And I said to him, do you know what you're called to do? That's what I said. <laughs> do you know what you're called to do? <laughs> and he was walking along this same shame, you know, the man needs to exercise more. <laughs> but listen, when I managed to gasp, I said, do you know what you're called to do? <laughs> he said, no. Carry on walking. Now, what am I saying? It was no, but it was more than no. Do you know what it was? I don't really care. I'm not bothered. You get it? The Bible says for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The eye of a needle was a very narrow gate in Jerusalem, and to have a pack camel to go through there took a lot of pushing and shoving. What is the problem? He was comfortable with his life, you see. Could buy anything he wanted, he could live where he wanted, and he was quite happy. And when somebody asked, you know what you're called to do? Didn't even bat an eyelid. Didn't bother him. His life's in a complete mess the last time I heard. Totally messed. And I realized why. Can you see what I'm saying? If you and I don't tap into what God's called us to do, we'll never be happy. We'll always be trying to do something. Trying to be something. Trying to achieve something. What it is, it's out there. It's always got to be something bigger. Something better. It's always got to be something more. You see? Or, the other alternatives, we just give up on life and just live where we are. You see, just a passive little make it through life existence. Do you think God called you not to just have a make it through life existence? Really? But can you see, we have to have the courage to make that step. But let me tell you, the moment you and I make that step, God is there to help us. Amen. And it's like making that step into the river. You're not in the mainstream yet, but your foot is wet. You get it? You all understand. And as you sort of get into the river, your foot is wet, then you get deeper. Then you get deeper. Then you get deeper. And as you continue to get deeper, what happens? That river of life will sweep you way out from your mundane sort of existence into something so great that you and I wouldn't be able to understand it. If God were to tell us, we wouldn't believe him. It's there waiting for us. Isn't that wonderful? It's out there waiting for us. Amen. I mean.